Want to cut cooling bills without cutting comfort? Lower utility costs and enjoy cool and consistent comfort with a highly efficient air conditioner from Luxair. With Luxair's consumer rebate program, educators, nurses, first responders, military personnel, and veterans can enjoy exclusive rebates on qualifying purchases of Luxair equipment. To learn more, call G-Team Mechanical at 765-376-3042 or visit gteamhvac.com. They'll recommend a system tailored to your home that provides comfort, energy savings, and lasting performance. This is Trackside with Kurt Cavan and Kevin Lee. Brought to you by Luxair Premium Residential Systems, a smart choice in home comfort. On 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. And the green flag flies in the Children's of Alabama. Indy Grand Prix is underway. And it is a great jump for Roman Grosjean. But there's a side-by-side battle for the second position. That's Alex Pelot and Pato Award as they climb the hill toward turn number four. They will climb the hill through turn at number four. We wait to see the leaders pop into our view. Roman Grosjean has the top spot, but Pato Award is putting the heat on. Award's going to go to the outside. That's the winning move he made over Renus VK a year ago. He'll have the door slammed shut, but he got a nice run. Alex Pelot sneaks to the inside, but they're side-by-side. Grosjean, an award to turn eight. Let's take a look at that race off of pit road, Davey. Yeah, right now it's going to be interesting as we see Grosjean coming by right now. He has speed right now, but it looks to me like McLaughlin is going to get ahead of him, and that was a key point right there because Grosjean's still saving fuel even though he had the warmer tires. going to be hard for him to get back by McLaughlin right now saving fuel. Oh, they banged uh, wheels they banged a couple wheels. of times. Wow. And Grosjean's going to go to P1 down the straightaway. So here comes Robot Grosjean and Scott McLaughlin. So it's Grosjean, McLaughlin, and Malukas, Nick Yeoman. That'll continue to be a good battle when they crest the hill and turn number four and head back your way. You want a rivalry? I'll give you one. Grosjean versus McLaughlin. Fans up here on the observation deck pumping the fist as Grosjean made that move out of turn number 17. Roman Grosjean just overshot the corner. He got in way too deep. That's open the door for Scott McLaughlin. It's a drag race into turn number eight, and McLaughlin's going to clear him and take the race lead. So now can Grosjean make it up as they work their way through turn number nine? The answer at the bottom of turn number nine is no. Scott McLaughlin now with a three-car length advantage over Roman Grosjean. Twin checkers in the air. The advanced auto park checkered flag flies, and Scott McLaughlin goes to victory lane. He wins the children of Alabama. Indy Grand Prix, Roman Grosjean, soldiers old. He'll be disappointed. He might have thrown it away down in turn number five. He worked very, very hard to get that second step on the podium. Will Power an impressive run. He finishes third. It was a, a hell of a job on my team. Uh, car, car three, thirsty threes. Great pit stop, but uh, first weekend for good ranchers on the car. That's why they're going off. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited for them. Um, you know, that's a super start to our campaign together. But, um, yeah, great pit stops by the team. Can't fold them ever. They're just the best in pit lane. And, and uh, I had a great car today. Benny, my engineer, set me up. And uh, Kyle called the strategy, and we managed to bring it home. It's May in Indianapolis, and we are now nightly up until the 107th Indianapolis 500. Hello, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Trackside on 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. Kevin Lee, Kurt Cavan, Eddie Garrison is in downtown Indianapolis at our studios on The Circle. We'll get into what's coming up with the Indianapolis 500. Still certainly one more race to come on the road course at Indy in less than two weeks. Uh, in just a little bit, we've got a schedule, we've got qualifying information, we've got a lot of things going on, and we first have a race to recap from beautiful Barber Motorsports Park from yesterday. 
Highlights courtesy of uh, IndyCar Radio, potentially NBC Sports, from just a a few moments ago. Uh, Won by Scott McLaughlin. Four races, four winners to start off 2023. And uh, the championship is oh so tight. Kurt, what did you think of what we saw over the weekend? Well, I thought... I thought anytime you have a battle for the lead and you had that battle for some time uh, between Scott McLaughlin and, and Ramon Grosjean, I thought that helps make a race, you know, it defines the success of a race, perceived success. Uh, but I thought there was good racing throughout this field. It was fun to watch Will Power come charging up through the field uh, on a different pit strategy. It was fun to watch even Joseph Newgarden struggle. Uh, he had a damaged car. That was Maybe not so much fun for Joseph, but it was fun for the viewing audience. It was fun for for Pato Award to be concerned about Scott Dixon based on the troubles those two drivers had at Long Beach and uh, the perce- perception from, from Awards Camp that Scott Dixon may really be ticked off at you. So you might want to keep your rearview mirror enlarged. So there were enough things. Uh, road course racing is... Um, you know, has different appeals to different people. I'm still an oval guy. I can't wait for the Indianapolis 500. Obviously, we're going to talk a lot about that, not only tonight, but as we move through the week and in the in the weeks to come. But it's good to get, you know, yet another race. And to your point about competition, my goodness, the top nine drivers separated by, I think, 36 points. Last year, uh, you needed to be, uh, if you were ninth, uh, you were 60 points out. So certainly a much different uh, competition-based situation uh, for the IndyCar series. By the way, I, I should have started by saying Happy May to you and everyone else as we get set for the greatest race in the world. Uh, for, from yesterday, as road courses go, you know, and again, we've talked about this, when IndyCar first went to Barber, it was, oh, it's beautiful, and that'll be kind of the highlight of the event uh, the racing won't be so fantastic but the racing has generally been good and i thought this race was really entertaining what often happens is once you get past the last pit stop that's when you start having some some challenges uh, but it went beyond that uh oftentimes the race is decided in road course racing once you finish the last pit stop but we had multiple changes for the lead or at least a, a back and forth when mclaughlin Came out in front of Grosjean. Grosjean got him back. McLaughlin got him back again. So that was really good. And then, you know, you, you get the last 10 or 15 laps, and the only question is, does anybody have any concerns with fuel? And what really makes these races good is if there are differing strategies. And that's what we had, and that's what we thought we might have. Two versus three stops. Well, this has been a place where two-stop has been the preference. It's been, you know, somebody said, and... And I couldn't go back to confirm it that all the races have been won on a two-stop strategy. I guess I'd 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 have difficulty over twelve previous races to say that all of them have gone that way, but certainly that's been the preferred method, or at least the primary way that races have been won there so on two stops. This one opened up for a two or a three stopper because of a timing of a caution. And it, it kind of allowed, while it may have benefited the three stoppers more, it opened up the possibility that that you could do either. And and so I think those are just, uh, you know, just the right kind of races. 
Uh, we, you know, a lot of our fan base likes strategy in, in these races with different pit stop cycles. They're a little more difficult to follow, I acknowledge, especially for people who are very oval-based as I am. It took me a long time to kind of figure out, you know, to count backwards from the end of the race to find out when you should pit, when, you know, when was the optimum time. I mean, I've covered this 37 years, and it really did take me – it probably took me a decade to kind of kind of get it naturally. But even still, it, you know, you really got to think. And a lot of our race fans like that. And so when you have the whole field sort of in play with what strategy they want to take, you know, that's that's cool. It keeps everybody involved. I think there were 26 cars on the lead lap at the end of this race, which is pretty amazing given – I mean, there were only 27 Stingray Rob caught brought out that caution when he had a mechanical issue uh, somewhere around lap 36, 37, 38, somewhere like that. And, you know, everybody else is in play, so to speak, to win the race. Now, maybe not go all the way to win the race, but the point is that uh, very competitive and it continues to be that way in this series. I think they might want to think about adding five laps because uh, this easily – could have been a snoozer, and this was just the conversation in the paddock. The worst thing that can happen for this race is if there is a caution in the first 15 laps. Well, take that back, first 10 laps, because what would have happened then is it then becomes likely a two-stopper for everyone. And one of the reasons why this also worked out this year, and I didn't look it up either, but I heard enough people say it, from a media to a team standpoint, that every race has been won on a two-stop. But the close, it did come close with Pato Award two years ago doing three stops. And he did tell me over the weekend that we got caught in traffic. We could have made that up, but that's one of the reasons why it's difficult to do it on three is because you have to catch traffic the right way and be able to use the speed that is available. And the reason in this case a three-stopper did work is because it stayed green the entire first stint and they were able to get their second stop in before that caution came. If that caution comes five laps earlier, doesn't work out for them, and then it's the two-stopper. Uh, if it comes too much later, it could still work out. Because it, it, as, as long as they got in, and they did it the way they generally have been doing, if it's a road course and no one's in peril, that has been... The teams can expect this, that if a car is stranded and no one is in danger they are going to give everyone one pass through through pit in so that is consistent to what they have been doing street courses are a different matter um but going back to what i was saying this could have been really bad because if a yellow comes out early even those planning a three stopper were going to change to a two and one of the reasons why they were more interested in a three is because Chevy teams did not think they were getting the fuel mileage of Honda. So coming in, and you may have heard us talking about this on the broadcast, even to the point where we had new information by Sunday morning. The general feeling Saturday night was you have to do it in three if you are a Chevy because they're just not getting good enough fuel mileage. So we also thought that the Hondas up front, the front row was going to do it on two. So then the biggest question I had, the first one to change that potentially was Pato Award starting third. Consensus would normally be two stopper, follow the leaders, try to beat them on a pit stop, try to beat them on an outlap at some point, but not sure if they can make it. So everyone thought, well, that's how we're going to get it different. 
uh, the Chevys are going to do three stops. Well, then we heard after the warm-up, hmm, fuel mileage is a little better. They've been working on it a little bit, and I think they're working on some things uh, this weekend that are potentially going to pay dividends when they get to the road course at Indianapolis. But they had figured out some things, or maybe it just maybe it got skewed and everybody got scared because Penske essentially didn't fill New Garden full in uh, the first stop at Long Beach, and they came up way short. But that's how that transpired. Otherwise, if fuel mileage was equal, or for example, if they were all Honda cars and getting that mileage, everybody in the top 10 would have done two stops. Uh, it would have been follow the leader, and it would have been bad. And the way it gets even worse is if there is a caution. So that was kind of a, a conversation afterwards. Could we just add five laps? So you cannot do it on two stops unless you get a caution at the right time and really super save. And that would spread it out enough where maybe just going fast on three stops would be the possibility. So, the, uh, And in this case, we had the TV window because we had a 42-minute fill after the checkered flag to finish the race where we were just about inter interviewing 18th place. And I'll tell you this. Not a lot of fun trying to think of what the question is other than how was your day uh, when you go interview. And and that's where I came up with Ben Bretzman. You know, we were going to look for 13th and 14th or 14th and 15th, whatever it was. Uh, we interviewed 13th. So we were down to 14th and we had already interviewed 15th in Joseph Newgarden, which was needed because, you know, that was a story as to what happened to him. And my point was, I, I don't know there's anything for Colton to say other than meh. So that's where I said, hey, there's Ben Bretzman. Let's go talk to him and, you know, revisit the winning situation. Um, so there is time to add some laps. You know, then you're taking a risk. What if there are four cautions or five cautions and the race really slows down? Um, but that's something to think about as we move forward. But back to the race itself and just the battle. You know, how how cool was it to see the storyline continue? We had McLaughlin and Grosjean racing for the win, crashing at St. Pete. Here they are again with as close as you can get in road course racing and really good side-by-side -side racing. Yeah, I mean, I could have come up with all kinds of combinations to start the season and said which two drivers would develop sort of a new rivalry. It's a little bit, it's a little bit uh, perhaps, uh, I don't know if we can yet call it a rivalry. And I say that because while they have been together in two of these races in close proximity and obviously affected the race in both cases, the outcome of the race, I don't think they themselves, you know, are looking for each other or considering, you know, consider each other rivals from the standpoint of, you know, just their personal approach. But they have found themselves like magnets connected both at uh, at St. Pete and now at Barber. And so it's a storyline moving forward to these two guys. And you know what? Maybe these two guys our our championship medal this year. Uh, Grosjean certainly has had consistent cars in all four races, good cars. McLaughlin almost as good in some places, maybe better in others. So maybe these two are among the six or eight, as I mentioned, nine cars within like 35, 36 points that have a chance to, to win a championship. And it, it really includes about half of those nine have never won a championship before. And... Uh, the other five or or so are um, are championship proven. The other thing that's interesting uh, just about is that none of these drivers 
have separated themselves. That's part of the reason why there's so many drivers still within shouting distance after four races. You know, the championship leader doesn't have as many points as as he has had after four races as we've had in the last several years, really a decade. And so we've got a bunch, and maybe it's just going to play out that McLaughlin and Grosjean are going to find themselves together a lot this season, and that should be fun. Well, what has saved one of the guys thinking championship and one of the heavy favorites coming in, like Joseph Newgarden, is the fact that no one has run away. Marcus Erickson has had a couple of just decent days. Pato had the finish near the back at, at Long Beach a couple of weeks ago, and that's helped save Newgarden, who has finishes this year of 17th, uh, 9th, and 15th. But yet he's still within range. He's only 25 points back in sixth, and top five, 15 points. That is easily flipped. Grosjean wins. He's fifth. If he wins, even in race five at Indianapolis, decent chance he comes out of there with the points lead. Certainly he's going to be right there, depending on what Erickson Award, Pillow, and McLaughlin do. So that that's all you can ask for at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's 10 points separation, uh, first to second in a race. And the other thing that's going to keep this championship perhaps a little closer than it might have otherwise is the Indy 500 will not be double points as it was last year. You know, that was a basically about a 65 or 6 point swing last year for Erickson to win the race uh, versus going from, I think he was eighth coming into the Indy 500. Uh, you add the points he got for for winning the race and qualifying in the top five and you know, that jumped him from eighth to first, which he held on to for quite some time thereafter. And so, you know, you don't have double points this year. So I think this this championship is going to remain close because I also I, I can't foresee somebody going off and winning three or four in a row. McLaughlin looks really good on this particular weekend, uh, but there have been other guys, Joseph on the on the road course on the oval, excuse me, and. And the Andretti's look good on street circuits, so it could be anybody, any week, and that's what we like. By the way, remind me later, and I'll tell you what else I learned over the weekend about Indy 500 testing and who is doing what and some other things on that. You know, McLaughlin had had kind of a mess start to the season. Great car, potentially winning car at St. Pete. Just okay, but but a bad result. Okay at Texas, sixth. Uh, okay at Long Beach, tenth. And he was pretty adamant that, no, I'm not going to panic and say I have to have a win, but I do have to have a result. And they felt like they were in line with that. And even better than that, he gets the win. And all of a sudden, he jumps up. And after a very mess start to the season, when people like me were picking him to win the championship, now he's 11 points out. He is right there. He is a win away again from taking over the championship lead. So that was important for him. And then there are some others where, again, it kind of gets late early and it's going to be difficult. The power got what he needed. He was one of those that needed to jump up. Uh, he he said the same thing. He said, no, I'm, you know, I've been doing this and I learned this last year. Don't try to bite it all off in one weekend. He just said, I need to stay within range. I need to stay in touch with the championship. What he had been seventh, 16th, and sixth in the first three. He gets a podium from a position where he said he was down on straight line speed because they were due for an engine change and gets a podium out of it. So that feels really good. And now he is somewhat within striking distance. Dixon's probably a little bit concerned right now. Let's touch on him. 
He's still within range, 32 points back, but Dixon has not stood out other than maybe the opener. He gets a podium in the opener. He's fifth, 27th, and seventh. And maybe that's unfair. All it takes is not having what happened in Long Beach, and he's right there in the mix, too. Well, he is right there in the mix, and that's kind of the point of bringing up how close everybody is after four races. But I'll give you this stat. I went back and looked this up. The last time Scott Dixon was was this low in the championship, he's eighth. But the last time he was this far into the into the season, four races, and still eighth or worse, 2011. So he has been consistently, you know, closer. And yet, from a point standpoint, he's probably uh, never been this close, being that far back. If you know what I mean, he's he's uh, he's what thirty, just 32. under thirty. 32 points. So he's he's right there. The problem is it's difficult to climb. When everybody's so congested, it's more difficult to climb up through the standings because you're going to have the same guys finishing in the top seven or eight each race. But yeah, Dixon has been a little bit you know interesting. Uh, he's qualified reasonably well. And, and again, at, at Barber, he continues to show pretty well. This is actually one of his worst finishes. He'd had very few finishes, like only one or two outside the top, you know, four or five uh, since the track opened in 2010. So this is one of his worst finishes in seventh, but he hasn't really been a factor this year, or at least, I mean, I know he, what was he second at second or third at, at St. Pete, he, you know, he's been third. around, but I, I don't really feel like he's had a great car. In fact, when, when you were talking about these different guys just a few minutes ago, and we talk about the points being close, the top nine and four different winners and so forth. If you had to say one guy, one driver who has been the best so far, regardless of what the point standings say, who's been the best in 2023, it's difficult Grosjean. to come with an answer. I think the answer is Grosjean. Who's uh, had the most pace? Who's been consistently the strongest? Forget about the results. But who has been in the picture to win every race? It is Grosjean. Yeah, I, I you wouldn't have you wouldn't have said that uh, a year ago, uh, considering you got an oval in there and and you know he gets taken out at St. Pete and he made a a very slight mistake at at Texas, which obviously cost him in a big way. Uh, you know he just clips uh, misjudges the 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 run he had on David Malukas in turn two really really late in the race. Or he comes away with you know enough points to be the series leader at this point. So yeah, I think it is Grosjean, but you know aside from that, it's really competitive because everybody's had difficult somewhere. I'd say the next strongest would be McLaughlin and Newgarden consistently, and and but they don't have the results to show for it. Uh, maybe it's Erickson that's next. He was he was not bad. At I'd say Pato. Pato ahead of Erickson. Yeah, yeah, correct. Pato would go ahead because at Texas, Erickson was not a factor. He said that they had they had an issue that they've since discovered why they were so much slower than the other Ganassi cars. But Pato is is definitely the other one. If you look at race to race for him, um, yeah, finished second. Kind of inherited the lead, but was a legit second, which where he finished. Texas finished second. Long Beach wasn't a winning car, but he was a potentially a top five car. So that's the one where I don't think he was ever in, in position to win. And at Barber, he was one of, I'd say several that were good enough to win, had the strategy fall in their way. But Grosjean is still the one that is four for four 
that had potential winning cars at each race. And as far as how the race was won, Grosjean mentioned that that yellow is what killed them. I'd say yes and no. I'd say this. He was going to, from the fact that he was saving hard, even with the yellow to make it on two stops, I think it helped him. But where he's correct is the timing of the yellow. Because as I said, it came out in the window for McLaughlin and Power to make their final stop, uh, or to make their, their, their second stop. Then that's what worked. Had that came at a different time, either a little bit earlier or later, then they might have been able to have an advantage there. But he definitely needed a yellow at some point to make that two-stopper work. You know, the other one to mention, and, and Pelot, by the way, has been consistently strong all season, too. So we, we can't forget about where he is. And just going back to those that I think had a chance to win this race in the right circumstances, it's McLaughlin, Grosjean, Pato, and Pelot. I think that's it. I don't think Power was really the winning car. Uh, Newgarden also. Newgarden was ahead of was McLaughlin. Fast. He was ahead of yeah. McLaughlin. Yeah, and, and, he, and he was fast. Um, he was ahead of McLaughlin, McLaughlin at one point. How did he get ahead of McLaughlin? He started behind him. Yeah, it was just a, just a cycle. Uh, but at some point there late in the midway through the race, he was ahead of – well, maybe it was ahead of that first stop. I'm not sure. But remember, okay. McLaughlin finally had to – uh, put the moves on him. Maybe what happened was McLaughlin pitted and came out behind him. Maybe that's what happened. Maybe that first. And stop. So what 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 happened to Newgarden was in the first corner. Uh, Felix Rosenquist was looking to make a move and made contact uh, as they were trying to get through exit turn one into turn two. It, it spun Rosenquist. and it did some damage to Newgarden's car. And he said actually it was really more just impacting tire wear. The left rear, he said the car was not too bad. Not as great as it was, but not too bad on new tires. But as the tires would start to wear, just got evil. And it was the opposite side of where the contact came. So it obviously just knocked the car out of balance, suspension issue or something like that. And he went from having an awesome car to just a car trying to hang on. So two weeks in a row where Newgarden has thought he might have had a winning car, and turned out to finish, what, 18th and 15th. So that is hugely frustrating, I'm sure. You know, one of the the, the funny moments, and and it has to do with, I think one of the really good guys in our sport is Felix Rosenquist, and he makes the comment on his radio, uh, all good, everything's good. And they're like, well, why, why are happened? you in the back? Wait, what happened? Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't ask the team, and they didn't know. That was, that was, that was, vintage uh felix that the way he said that on the broadcast afterwards you know he just you know they didn't know because they hadn't seen the replay and it really you know we saw that there was contact on new garden uh but it took you know kind of a second look on the replay to see that it was felix that had caused that and uh and then felix you know had to spun we didn't know that initially so it was just i guess his uh his transparency or his playfulness, or I don't know that I have the right word for it, but the way Felix just discussed it was classic Felix. Well, and also after the race, when I went up and talked with him before, uh, he he asked me, did that impact Joseph? I hope that didn't hurt Joseph's car. And I said, I, I think it did. 
And, you know, from watching it, I'm not a driver. I'm not smart enough to say whose fault it was. But at first look, I wouldn't have been able to say that that was automatically agreed. I don't fault. It looked like he was agreed. I I think uh, they're trying to both get through, but just said, OK, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, I'm going to take the blame for it. He did take the blame for it. And, and I thought he was quick to do that. So, um, yeah, it was uh, it was interesting the way that that went down. So hmm, one of those things. And what's really interesting, as I was starting and getting ready to interview uh, Felix on the post-race, he wanted to know if if Joseph's car was damaged at all, and he was disappointed to hear that. And he immediately, when we came on the interview, brought it up himself and wanted to take blame. And I'm not a racing driver. I'm not smart enough to know whose fault it was at that point. But I don't think, I haven't gotten all the way through post-race yet, that Joseph really pointed any blame and there could probably be an argument made that that was two drivers looking for the same space and they were trying to leave each other room but yeah, Felix is a good guy and and that's why I think uh, drivers like him and that's one of the reasons I think why people like Pato Award wanted him to remain as his teammate this year and why I think even though it's not going fantastic I think there's still a decent chance that Felix Rosenquist even if he doesn't have a home at Arrow McLaren will find a home next year as well okay uh, we need to get moving and get into what's happening we'll still see what we've missed from this race because I'm sure there are more things that we can go back and look into but we need to talk about May in Indianapolis schedule is out other details qualifying format and more all coming up trackside 93.5 the fan life is so much more than a diagnosis it's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Hi, this is Scott McLaughlin, and you're listening to Trackside on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. It's time for the Circle City Raceway news of the day. Circle City Raceway is back with a new clay racing surface. And the Circle City Raceway Friday night at the dirt track is this Friday. 410 steel block sprints, UMP modifieds, Ford Crown Vicks, Super Stocks, and Pure Stocks. Tickets are just $15 for ages 13 to 64. 12 and under are free. Military, first responders, veterans, seniors, and teachers only $12. Circle City Raceway at the Marion County Fairgrounds, circlecityraceway.com. I think our news of the day should be on Friday. We saw, we knew most of it, but we saw exact details and schedule and a slight tweak to the poll day format for the Indianapolis 500. Yeah, we're still going to qualify the top 30 uh, on fri- on the first day of qualifying. That'll be, I've lost track of my days. Is that May 20th? The 20th. Yep, and then the twenty second, the twenty first on Sundays, where it gets a little bit different. Uh, it's kind of really the order because we'll still have the last, the last chance qualifying for the last three positions. Uh, we'll have you know four drivers essentially for those that last row spot, and and then we'll still have the top twelve uh, to go for the poll. You know, we can go through this as the month goes on. Uh, get into the intricacies of it, but there's some slight adjustments and more NBC time, truthfully, for uh, for qualifying on Sunday, which will be good. I believe there's some NBC time both days, which has been a change in, in 
I don't know if recent years is the right word, but I think at least last year it was all Peacock on Saturday, maybe two years ago as well. Uh, I know there is an NBC window in the middle of the day. It looks like 2.30 to 4.30 is on NBC on Saturday. And then on Sunday from 4 until 6. So what that will get you is who makes the race. That's the last chance qualifying. And here's what's a little bit different. And and I like this. So one of the things we've talked about getting in the minutia is that it's difficult to make a second run and be faster than the first run unless you had a problem. Because to go ultimate speed, the engines need to cool down properly. And it takes, oh, an hour and ideally 90 minutes or so. So what they're going to do is the top 12 will all get a run and it's sort of going to be knockout qualifying. And then it'll whittle down to six. But instead of getting right back out there and going or need to fill 30 minutes, then we'll go into last row qualifying. So we'll continue action. And then after the last row, then those last six will go back out one more time. So that I haven't seen the minute by minute on that. But there should be at least 45 minutes to an hour between those runs before you go out again. And one of the things we wondered about is that it was... You know, for example, if you were the fastest on day one and you were the last to go in the first round of 12 through one and then only ended up sixth fastest, you had to go out again really quickly. You would have a short time span between that. So also what that might do is it gives us a better chance of seeing bigger speeds. Engines are a little more cooled down. That last run, whoever was the fastest in the first round of top 12 qualifying, That last run is going to be at about 540. Uh, So you have the chance of conditions and being a little bit cooler and maybe seeing a bigger speed and seeing over 234 miles per hour again. And everyone is telling me it should be just as fast as last year. And last year was the fastest pole speed, not the fastest speed, but the fastest pole speed that we had seen. And I think they always get smarter. Maybe in the right conditions, they flirt with 235 this year. I don't think we'll flirt with the track record. I agree with that. I don't think we'll see the track record either, but we're certainly inching toward that. And I like the format. I mean, I like the bumping element back in the game, uh, and I like the knockout system. Uh, I was a little skeptical of it at first, you know, what, a decade ago when they they went to the Fast 9 shootout, now Fast 12. But uh, it adds drama on on Saturday and then – the, the, the real layer of drama on Sunday. Yeah, there are two storylines on Saturday. It's going to be you want to be in the top 12 and you want to be in the top 30. And with multiple attempts, if you're in the 20s and if cloud cover is ever coming, you're going to be worried. If you don't qualify, say, in the top 22, 23, 24, you're going to be worried that all those beyond find something and shove you back to 31st, and all of a sudden you find yourself in the last row shootout, uh, which I can, I think, again, does include multiple attempts allowed. It is really difficult because that is a short time frame to make a second run. So you're going to have to either have made a mistake in the first run, which is good. I'm, I'm glad there is a chance for a mulligan. For example, if you have a cut tire or the driver makes just a big bobble, you get one more chance. But if you kind of show your best, it's going to be unlikely that you're going to come back uh, with an engine that isn't cooled and do better. But but it does prevent that just, oh, we had something go wrong, and all of a sudden we're out of the Indianapolis 500. Uh, race week, or, um, Indy 500 week, things will get started on Tuesday the 16th really early 
9 a.m. is when the Oval Veterans will take to the track, 9 to 11. So if anyone was really looking ahead, then there's going to be a couple-hour break. And then it is the R.C. Enerson Show, one driver. Here's the advantage to not getting to the uh, open test in April, is that you get the track to yourself and potentially two hours of dedicated coverage on Peacock to yourself because it's the rookie and refresher opportunity and there are no others that need a rookie or refresher test so i think that's the rc enerson and able motorsports show from one to three so start getting your factoids ready on that group that'll be good for them if you can speak on on rc enerson for two (laughs) hours you are better than than i thought you were uh maybe you can interview you know jacob abel and and get him on the show and and well, everybody we've got an else. hour and fifty minutes left. <laughs> and well, Jacob's a good speaker, and you can get his his dad and yeah. And yeah. I don't know. I don't know. You get Neil Enerson. Still and, got uh, some time. We're going to get uh, Lucas Oil School of Racing students, so maybe that's my opportunity to get Jackson Lee and RC <laughs> Enerson uh, protege on the program. And Reese Gold, who we mentioned, is the highest advancer. He's in Indy next as as a graduate and former champion of the racing school. So yeah, we get it. Uh, hopefully there's a lot of, uh, let's ride along. Let's just lay out and look and see what's happening. The, the two commentators involved in, in carrying that day are a little bit concerned about filling that time. Well, you're going to have, I mean, honestly, everybody else, all the veterans, they will have, I mean, they'll have something to do, but they're not going to all be busy with meetings. They'll be available. At- that actually, you're right, that actually will be a good chance because they cannot be on track that we will get to hear from everyone else. And I I don't know what uh, what our personnel is at this point, but you know maybe we set up the green room down there again and do some sit-down interviews. And I think IndyCar's got a media bullpen schedule, so actually it'll probably be pretty entertaining because drivers won't be as busy uh, other than getting lunch and engineering and things like that. But there should be some chances for that. So that's what's coming up. Of course, first, we've got the road course uh, on the way next week, and we'll be talking about that throughout the week. So an off weekend this week, Kentucky Derby. I believe Marcus Erickson is going. I think that's that's what I was told. I forgot to ask Marcus uh, about that. By the way, he kind of quietly got married right after Long Beach. So congratulations to Marcus and Iris, who had to go back home and take care of some things, but she'll be back in the States here sometime really soon. Oh, I was going to mention kind of some of the things. I didn't do a lot of digging in the Indy 500 test, uh, but did ask about a couple of things. One item that might be concerning to everyone is the Ganassi still looked pretty good, and some of my driver friends said, I think Alex Pillow might have had the best car. So you're not just looking at speed. You're looking at who handles best in traffic. Um, we'll later learn who has the best car in qualifying when we get to Fast Friday. But Pelot's car looked great and looked like it could pass people. He agreed and said his car was awesome and better than last year. And how about this? We always hear about special super speedway cars, and they've been preparing these over the winter, and it's not touched, and it'll be better than than any kind of road course car that is configured into super speedway trim. He was running the road course car. That's not even the Indy 500 Speedway car. It was just the car that he ran at Long Beach that they put uh, the Super Speedway trim on. So a different rear wing, a different front wing. I'm sure a different, you know, obviously a gear ratio, but there's a different gear package and some things. But that's not the car. Now, he did say, I'm thinking about asking to keep that car because it was really good. Now, what he said I'll probably do is 
I'll go with the car that they have planned. But sometimes, you know, Hinch and the other drivers have talked about slow car syndrome. Sometimes a car just does not seem to be as quick. So now he knows if there's ever any feeling where the the primary doesn't feel great, he knows they can go to this chassis and it is just it is good. It is good enough and they would would not hesitate to make that change. It also gives you more confidence if you do have a crash that rather than try to build up because generally speaking they would like to repair the primary as long as there's no damage to the tub, but in this case they could simply swap out the engine and be ready in less than 90 minutes to go if they ever have a crash at any time in practice or on qualifying day. So that was the one thing. The Ganassis are and, and Marcus Erickson, by the way, still does not have the, the defending Indy 500 winner does not have a Speedway specific car. Worked out fine last year. He ran the road course car and won the race. But we also think Dixon and Pillow were better. I think they're the two on the team that have Speedway specific cars. Um, but the Ganassis ran the road course car. The Penske's ran the super speedway cars. And that is different than a couple of years ago. Joseph Newgarden told me last year they did not run the super speedway car, the 500 car. Uh, I think it was Kyle Moyer said, well, that's sort of technically true. It was the Indy 500 car, but it wasn't in full it wasn't fully prepped. He said it was about 80% there, so I'm sure there are some things that they can massage, and maybe that, again, is going back to the Speedway-specific little drag as possible, parts on the car, gearbox, and et cetera. But he said it was about 80% of the way there. This year, they wanted to get a better read, so they went with their full Indy 500 cars for the Penske cars. So that was one of the nuggets that that I saw out of uh, or, or learned over the weekend, and there's maybe more that I'll remember as the week goes on. All right, uh, coming up, we'll see what we missed and more. And uh, I've got several tweets. We'll get into that, too, coming up in a moment. Trackside, 93.5, The Fan. This Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. This is Trackside, brought to you by Luxair Premium Residential Systems, a smart choice in home comfort on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Okay, final segment and a few Twitter questions. I won't be able to get to all of them, so I'll do it this way. Those that used the hashtag trackside, I hit that and can find them very easily. The others we'll try to get to tomorrow night because we're on all week. We're on all month. Douglas Thompson. Doug Thompson says, if you have a smart TV, the CW app is free. Was able to watch the 100 Days to Indy on that. I didn't have to worry about Gunther Steiner's colorful use of the English language. So this is a racing docuseries I'm comfortable watching with my 13-year-old son yep so it's out there and it's available from last week hope people got a chance to look at that and a new episode coming out this thursday night at e hirschberger ford perfect said uh, christian lungard is really outperforming his rl racing team is this the kind of performance that lands him a team upgrade next year uh i forgot to mention that was on my list yeah he had an awesome weekend I suspect, I think he's locked in for at least another year. I do not believe he is a free agent after this season. 
Roger Warner, JD Farm Boy, how much did the new engine help Grosjean winning the pole? That's a good point. Disappointment that his engine failed just a few minutes into the first practice, but we heard Will Power talking about eh, the next engine might have a little more juice. That was on the Chevy side. Uh, maybe that helped a little more oomph because he certainly looked quicker than his uh, other Andretti teammates. So, yes, that might have had an impact. Okay, that's all we have time for. We will do it again tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. And the reason we have to hustle off because Jake Query and Mike Thompson are up next. Beyond the Bricks every weeknight at 8 o'clock here throughout the month of May. Thanks to Eddie Garrison. For Kurt, I'm Kevin. It's 93.5, 107.5 The Fan.